Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my partner in crime, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, just when we thought the storyline of this week might be the Packers might get back to closer to full strength and have all their guys. Well, no, sorry. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, as everyone knows by now, is on the COVID-19 reserve list. Jordan Love will be making his first NFL start on Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium, and it's another week where the Packers just have to adjust and roll with the punches. You know, Matt LaFleur spoke to the media for 15, 16 minutes after um, all this news happened on Wednesday, and I really appreciated a lot of what he said, but one thing that stood out to me in particular is this is just something you just have to learn to deal with. Um, we've always known about the injury side of things. And in the month of December in the past, there's been the flu bug that has been passed around the locker room. Packers had a big bout of that back in 2019. Yeah. But, you know, the realities of COVID now are that one week you may not have your defensive coordinator. You may not have your, you know, your all pro receiver. And in this particular case, you're not going to have your three time MVP quarterback. But the ability to adjust, I think, in my opinion, on top of LaFleur's offensive brilliance, on top of the creativity of this coaching staff, the way the Packers have been able to adapt and build winning game plans despite whatever they're missing has been one of the hallmarks of his you know, two-and-a-half-year run now as the head coach of the Packers. I couldn't agree more. This is not an easy opponent. This is not easy circumstances. But in a lot of ways, Mike, we talk about it all the time with young quarterbacks throughout the National Football League. The Packers have invested a year and a half now into Jordan Love. This past summer, he took all the reps, almost every single one of them, in meaningful team periods for the Packers. It's been on the back burner now. He's been the scout team quarterback for the last eight weeks, but this is a first-round caliber talent that now is going to get his first opportunity to lead an NFL offense. Yeah, and I appreciate what you said about Matt LaFleur and his two and a half seasons here, the challenges that he has dealt with even as big a challenge as last week was, without your top three receivers and all the news that was happening with those guys, and you're on a short week and you've got a 2,000-mile flight and, and all of that kind of stuff, this one, I think, is, is the biggest one that he's faced. And, and not only because it's Aaron Rodgers and you're having to put in a quarterback who has not started an NFL game in his place, but this news with Rodgers did not come to light until Wednesday morning. And... You know, Monday afternoon, Tuesdays, that, that's the coaching staff's game planning time. The players are off on Tuesdays. The coaches are putting together the entire game plan. So you get all that ready to go to give to the players on Wednesday. And then the first thing you're telling the players in the, in the Wednesday morning team meeting is that the starting quarterback is out and, uh, and the backup Jordan Love is going to take over. Now, obviously, it's not as though you take the entire game plan and throw it in the yeah. trash and you're starting over from scratch. But... It does, it does speak to the challenge here that, that the Packers have. And hopefully, from a, receive, from a receiving standpoint, we've seen Al Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling at practice thus far this week. Matt LaFleur has indicated he's hoping that Devontae Adams will be back um, here as the week continues. So you hope that from an offensive uh, perimeter group standpoint that uh, that Jordan Love will have every, everyone at his disposal except for Robert Tunyon, who's now out for the season. But uh, um, but to have to adjust like this on the fly and uh, and get ready to play 
And yes, the Kansas City Chiefs have had their struggles, but this is still the team that's represented the AFC in the Super Bowl yeah. in back-to-back years, and they still have plenty of time left to get their season back on track. Well, Mike, and let's be honest, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, is the run that he's on right now, that's not going to last forever. This guy is a quintessential MVP quarterback who's played this game at the highest level. He's won the biggest prize at one of the most youngest youngest ages for a, yeah. you know, a, a premier quarterback. I'm not anticipating the guy with the 10 picks and in the, you know, the issues this year, I'm expecting the best version of Patrick Mahomes in this matchup. I think, I think when you're the Packers, that's how you have to look at it. Absolutely. Now the one thing that I, you have to look at though, being fair on both sides is the way Kansas city's defense has played this year. There's still plenty of weapons there. You know, Tyron Matthews has Tyron Matthew, excuse me, has two interceptions already this season. They have guys that can pressure the quarterback, but the stats are what they are right now. They're 29th in total defense. You know, they're, they're second to last uh, in sacks allowed. I mean, there's been a lot of things that were not really common during their Super Bowl run that have sort of kind of bubbled up to the surface. So if I'm Jordan Love and I'm Matt LaFleur, I look at this week in terms of being able to reestablish the run game again. Aaron Jones, much like two years ago, could very easily be his best friend in this game. I mean, he had a big game at Arrowhead back in 2019. The 159 yards receiving, two touchdowns. That's right. They need that version of Aaron Jones again, the guy that makes plays in space. A.J. Dillon has been just an absolute wrecking ball in the middle of the field, breaking tackles, getting yards after contact. And also, Mike, I know Matt LaFleur said it this week, you don't really know what the West Coast offense is again, but I think it goes back to a lot of the real fundamental principles of that scheme short passing games, winnable down in distance, and moving the ball downfield. They need Jordan Love to be able to manage this thing and then go from there once the plays emerge. It's about that that whole group of 11 coming together and not just the number 10 quarterback that, that's taken the ball from Lucas Patrick. Yeah, I mean, I had said shortly before we sat here at these tables and turned the cameras on, we were filming our uh, weekly three things segment with Larry and I said in, in that segment, and I'll say it here again, it feels like the the formula for victory for the Packers here is really not any different than it was a week ago when you were missing your top three receivers and on a short week and everything. How did they go into Arizona with those limitations and beat the the previously undefeated Cardinals? They ran the heck out of the ball, and which, which not only was about yardage and moving the chains, yeah. but controlling the tempo of the entire game. It was about limiting the possessions that Kyler Murray was going to have on the other side. And then when Kyler Murray did have the ball, the Packers got some turnovers. They got a turnover on special teams. They got the one turnover on defense early in the second half, and then obviously the turnover at the end that sealed the victory. You're replacing Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love. You're hoping to get those receivers back, but it feels like the formula for victory is still the same. You've got to get Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon have to be the guys that control this football game for Green Bay. And on the defensive side, the Kansas City Chiefs, the stats are what they are. They lead the league in giveaways offensively this year. The Packers have to be able to take the ball away, steal some possessions from Patrick Mahomes, and, uh, and use that ground game to control tempo. Yeah, and, and I know we'll probably talk about the defense here in a second, but I do. it is worth pointing out, 
A lot of two-shell looks this year for Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City offense. In some ways, there's a lot of similarities between the way teams are wanting to defend him and what the Packers have seen over the years now with the two-shell against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, just go back to 2012 when Rodgers was coming off of his first MVP season. The Packers were 15-1 and and all that. And then suddenly everybody just played two safeties deep, and they're like, we're not going to let you – we're not going to let you just smoke us with all these big plays. We're going to make you grind out drives. We're going to make you pound the ball with the run. And it took a while for the Packers to to adjust to that. And and here the Kansas City Chiefs are dealing with that, and they're 4-4 four and four halfway through the year. And that's the point I was going to draw to is the fact that the Packers have overcome that this season to be 7-1. and one. You've seen a ton of production, whether it be running or catching the ball between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Kansas City's had a real difficult time establishing that so far. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the MCL, he's out right now. I don't think at this time that he's going to be back. We never get injury reports based on guys that are on injured reserve. So, like, that that's kind of out of the question. Yeah, when they're, when they're on injured reserve and not on the active roster, they're – their practice status and how much they're working out and stuff is not uh, is not officially reported. Yeah, so, you know, Daryl Williams is the one that is, was kind of the bell cow for them. Then, obviously, last week you saw Gore end up being the next guy. Kansas City hasn't really been willing to commit to the run. And to be honest, that's sort of been something that's happened over the years with them. I know Edwards-Hilaire was his debut game. A lot of people got excited about it, but ultimately they kind of shifted back to Tyreek Hill, to Travis Kelsey being able to get the downfield passing game going. More teams are threatening Kansas City to run this season. I'm interested from Green Bay's perspective how they go about defending that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what part of part of what Kansas City is dealing with too, whether whether it's been injuries or other personnel turnover and whatnot, everybody is sort of focusing their defensive game plans on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And the Chiefs haven't really found that next guy no. to to you know to step up and carry the mantle, so to speak. Now I think McCole Hardman, who's a, uh, you know, I sort of liken him to a, to an unaccomplished or less, less accomplished Tyreek Hill in terms of his size and his speed and and what his potential is, but he hasn't become that player yet. He's, he's a very dangerous guy with the ball in his hands and the Packers are certainly going to be aware of him, but he's one to watch here as, as the Chiefs try to figure this out with so much uh, attention on on Kelsey and Hill as they try to run their offense. If you'd have told me a year ago, kind of like the Edwards Hilaire thing, I would have thought Hardman would have been a bigger household name at this point. I just, yeah. he's a shifty guy. He's explosive. And I can't sit here and tell you, I watch a lot of, you know, Kansas city football. I don't really know exactly everything that's played into that, but he's really been still more of a complimentary guy than a featured guy and, and everything that plays into that. But from Green Bay's perspective, the other idea of this, too, is that they've faced all these guys that are mobile quarterbacks, and it seems like they've been building towards the Patrick Mahomes game in terms of guys that have the athleticism but maybe don't have the arm or have the athleticism and don't have the pedigree, have the athleticism, but maybe they rely too much on it. They got Kyler Murray two weeks ago. Now you get Patrick Mahomes, guys who can extend plays, guys that can make plays outside of the pocket. That's going to be a big challenge, too. But as Kenny Clark mentioned when he addressed the media on Wednesday, Green Bay has been really apt at being able to take the ball away this season. That is something that has been sort of coming in stretches for them. They are coming off a big October. And obviously you got to see how everything works out with Dean Lowry and what the health of this team is going into Sunday. But this is, seems to me like a really solid opportunity once again for Green Bay to be able to come out 
turn over the football and, and get it back to Jordan Love in the offense. Yeah, and when you talk about what's been going on defensively for the Packers through the month of October, uh, Devondre Campbell, the inside linebacker, we've talked about him a lot on this show. Obviously, he's been a revelation for the Packers defense, and he was just named the NFC's Defensive Player of the Month for the month of October. And There's only you, four you of those at, guys. What's that? There's only four of those guys the entire season. I mean, yeah, you look at uh, something else. You look at what he. You look at what he has done. It's it. It's not just the tackles where you expect an inside linebacker to be, you know, amongst your league leaders or your team leaders and whatnot in tackles. But throughout the course of the year, he's had multiple sacks. He's had multiple interceptions. You know, other turnover plays regarding fumbles, tackles for loss, and just being that leader in the middle of. Green Bay's defense taking over the communication <clears throat> responsibilities and whatnot for a guy, as we've talked about, who did not show up until basically there was one week left in the offseason right. program. So he had to learn as much of the defense as he could on his own time during that break between the offseason program and the start of training camp and then take over that leadership and all of the communication and everything throughout the course of, uh, of training camp and then, and then in the, uh, the early weeks of the regular season. He's been a phenomenal player for this Green Bay defense, and uh, and they're going to continue. They're going to continue to lean on him because he's he's an impact player right in the middle of everything going on. And an incredibly intelligent human being, not just about what he does on the football field. Like I wrote about two weeks ago, there was a plan, there was a method to this madness with how he approached this offseason. A lot of people look at him signing on June 9th as well. Why didn't anybody sign this guy? No, this was a case in which the COVID restrictions with the cap. You know, the, the salary cap room is deflated across, across the league. Inside linebackers like him, a guy that was coming off a one-year $8 million contract, that money wasn't there this time. Yeah. So he looked for what was going to be the best opportunity for him with the understanding that, okay, you play, you, you make some money this year, but you get back on the market in 28, at 28, 29 next year and have a chance to really get that big deal. He signed with Green Bay. Yes, he had the relationship with Matt LaFleur, but also there was that opportunity for him to actually be the featured guy. And, and if he earned it, I mean, he wasn't going to walk in and just be the Mike right away. He had to actually you know, claim that position. But since he has, Mike, for a guy like me that's covered the team for 10 years, I didn't get the Desmond Bishop era. I got the end of the A.J. Hawk era, and A.J. had a phenomenal career here. But I haven't seen a sideline-to-sideline -side inside backer like Campbell. Yeah. This guy is good against the run. He fills gaps well. He diagnoses well. He knows his assignments fundamentally sound. But the athleticism factor with him is what really jumps off the page. And Mike, with 17 games, this guy is on pace for 175 tackles this year. I mean, that's the type <laughs> of season Devondre Campbell's having. Yeah. So to see him get rewarded, a really silent kind of you know hunter out there on the field, uh, it was a cool thing for him, and the Packers are going to need him in the second half of the season. Yeah, and I don't know for sure the last time a Green Bay Packers defensive player earned a Defensive Player of the Month award. Again, this is different I heard from, 2010. That, that's what I heard Clay as Matthews. well, Clay Matthews in 2010. And this is obviously very different from Defensive Player of the Week and whatnot. And I know in 2009, Charles Woodson, somewhere along the way, if not multiple months when he was on his way to Defensive Player of the Year, that he got Defensive Player of the Month. But, yes, it might have been Clay Matthews in, in 2010 since a Green Bay defensive and, player got an award like this. Campbell's on the – like, he's on a trajectory to make a Pro Bowl here, to, like, oh, get yeah. all Pro votes. No, I mean, no question about this it. This is more than just a dude that walked in the door in June, signed a one-year deal, and then played out the season. 
Devon J. Campbell's really doing himself a lot of favors this season. Yeah, well, uh, we'll get to a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, let's crystallize it down. We've talked about it a little bit already, Wes, but the keys to victory here for Green Bay on Sunday going to Arrowhead, which I it's right up there with Seattle in terms of the noise factor at an outdoor stadium in this league. Kansas City and Seattle, in my mind, certainly as far as having been to pretty much everywhere in the league, this one uh, this is a tough place to play. Yeah, and they have less speakers. I mean, it's impressive what the what the crowd actually yeah, does. Yeah, it's actually it's actually more natural yeah, crowd noise they're not, than the. They, they, there's than no auto tuning. They're singing with their real, you know, falsetto. Uh, right. no, no, but I mean, you and I have been there, and I've talked to players over the years. I remember talking to like Justin McCray and Brian Balaga, an offensive lineman, about how difficult that environment is for an offensive lineman to play at. Packers have played really clean football from a false start perspective, from a penalty perspective. That's going to be challenged this week, yep. especially with how energized this team is going to be in this type of matchup. Those fans are going to know, okay, Aaron Rodgers is not out there. We get the backup. That's fresh meat for us. They're going to be ready for this thing. For Green Bay's perspective, though, I think it really comes down to shortening this ball game. I don't know the exact stats on 35 or 34-plus minutes in terms of time of possession, but when Green Bay controls the football and finishes and executes, you got to do all that. You eventually have to score points. But when they control the tempo of a game, the Green Bay Packers win. It's how Matt LaFleur got more wins in the modern era than any other coach in his first 40 games. They need to be able to do that again. That means running the football. That means whoever is available in that receiving core, whether it is Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know you're going to have Alan Lazard back. They have to be able to push the football downfield. But it comes down to winning between the first down and the next first down, right? Just moving the football, I, I think that's going to be the main catalyst here. And, again, playing mistake-free football in Jordan Love's first start. Yeah, and on the defensive side of the ball, I've already talked about the turnovers, but the other thing, clearly, when you're facing this Kansas City Chiefs defense and Patrick Mahomes is you can't get gashed for the big play, right? You have to make and, – and this is what Kansas City has struggled with. They're always looking for the big shot downfield. They want, they want to punch you in the mouth with that – long 50-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill or the 30-yard seam pass down the middle to Travis Kelsey. You've got to be able to defend against those because that's why the Chiefs have struggled offensively is when they've been forced to grind it out, to grind out the long drives, they've made a mistake somewhere along the way. The opening drive last week, Monday Night Football, a few nights ago, against the New York Giants was the perfect example. The Chiefs take the opening kickoff, double-digit play drive, everything looking smoothly, working well. They're taking more than seven minutes off the clock, and then they get in the red zone, and a ball gets deflected and picked off, and the Giants have the ball back, and the Chiefs got nothing out of that possession except a turnover. Why? Because the Giants didn't give up a 50-yard pass, right? They made up, you know, and that's what the Packers... That's what the Packers have to do because that's what's going to give you the opportunities for the turnovers is to make them grind out a drive. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's the old Dom Capers thing. Maybe it's because that was my first defensive coordinator that I covered, but I just remember all those times standing in the podium and Dom talking about the more plays that they have to play on a drive and the fewer you know, big penalties that you give up, the 15-yarders, the better statistically your opportunity is going to be to take away the football and also to stop them. Yeah. That's where Green Bay needs to get to. Now, fortunately for Green Bay – 
it would appear that Joe Barry could be back in the fold here for this game on Sunday. That's huge. I mean, Jerry Monk or Jerry Gray, Kirk Olivadotti, you give them all the credit in the world for the job they did without Barry. But to have that whole group together in a defense that by and large, again, we got to see what happens with this hamstring injury with, with Dean Lowry, but you know, by and large is getting healthier. Kevin King was a full participant in practice on Wednesday. This is a huge opportunity for them now. You need to get Zadarius back. You need to get Jair back at yeah. some point. Yeah. But to have the core there for them, that this is they've, they've played well all season. Now you get to start getting your heavy hitters back. What can you do from there? Yeah. A couple of thoughts to get from you with regard to the NFC North here before we go. It's interesting. It's the, uh, it's the cross-conference week here, yeah. in a sense, with the Packers. Packers are at Kansas City. Minnesota is at Baltimore. And the Chicago Bears are at Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. So um, some rare matchups uh, in, in that respect. The Packers have the three-and-a-half game lead, but obviously right now you don't have Aaron Rodgers. You don't know how long necessarily Rodgers is, uh, is going to be out given the COVID situation. So um, it'll be interesting to see here Minnesota, Minnesota coming off of that really, really rough loss to the Dallas Cowboys at home with Cooper Rush making his first start at quarterback for the Cowboys. Now they have to go on the road and deal with uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Th- this, is, uh, this, is going, this is an opportunity here, quite frankly, for, uh, for the Packers to you know, tighten the stranglehold, in yeah. a sense, on, on the NFC North. If you can go in and do, do what you did in Arizona, run the ball, get some turnovers – maybe escape Arrowhead with a victory with Jordan Love at quarterback. Then you sit back and see what uh, what your other NFC North brethren are doing on the road against AFC teams as well. Chicago is a team that I think can probably play with most teams. It just comes down back to that takeaway sort of margin. I think defensively, you know, they could very easily be in this matchup with Pittsburgh depending on, you know, what happens on the other side of the ball. Minnesota, I really don't like this matchup for them. I, I feel like this is not only what happened last week, but Lamar Jackson is going to stress them. They have an older linebacker core now. You know, you're yeah. going to have some some. And the Vikings there. have lost their best pass rusher for the season now. Daniil Hunter yes. is is done for the year. Yeah, and that's and obviously Hunter. It's been a kind of a rough go for him now the last two and a half years. But right. I think this is the game where Minnesota's offense, as much as we've always talked about the Zimmer's defense, Minnesota's offense has to be able to generate some some opportunities here for them because I don't think this is a game that you can win. Uh, if you're not putting up 25-plus points. So Green Bay's perspective, you're sitting in a great position, uh, absent all the realities of that position. But in terms of the, the, the actual <laughs> right. standings, the statistics, this, is, th- this could not have been a better scenario for Jordan Love to move into. But seeing how the rest of this division kind of shakes out here is going to be fascinating to watch because this is a massive month of November uh, for teams not only trying to stay in the division race, but – you know, right now at four and four, Carolina's the the wild card team. So, you know, any win here for Minnesota and Chicago keeps them in that race as well. Yeah, that extra wild card team having that seventh playoff spot in the NFC. That's uh, as we knew we saw it last year, but then but I also, can't... also this year there are going to be a whole bunch of teams in the NFC down the stretch that may not have a shot at the division championship because of all of these one loss teams that we're seeing right now in the NFC, but they're still going to be in the playoff hunt and, and playing for their season. Trying to get that coveted eight victory to, to make the playoffs. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait 
for that in years to come. All right. Well, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team. We'll have everything for you from Sunday's big game in Kansas City on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.